If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Philippians today. So if you want to get a head start, uh, Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we, if you don't have a Bible, if you're new to church, I encourage you to download Version. That's a great app. These apps are also great for your uh, daily devotions. One of our core practices is daily devotions. And a couple of apps that are good are, is Version and also the Bible Hub app. And it's on Version that you'll find our daily devotion that we have one that goes out every week. If you don't get that, sign up for it on a next step card. We'll make sure you get on that list. You can also find it on, on social media. But we are, this year, our word for the year is inconvenient faith. That following Jesus isn't, isn't easy. It's not super convenient. It's not going to just fit right into your schedule. In fact, uh, convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them that. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. So to fight through that... And to make Christ front and center, the highlight of our lives, we're going to have to be intentional about that. And that's what our eight core practices are about. We have eight core practices that help us to live out our faith. Um, But this year, we're kind of calling them the eight inconvenient practices because none of those are easy. The ones on the left, nobody's nailing those perfectly because they're just not easy. We just came through a series called Inconvenient Prayer, and now we're into a series now called Inconvenient Giving. It's just not easy to give. And when we think about giving, here's what I I need you to focus on, okay? This is really important for this series. When we think of giving, we think of money, and rightfully so. You should think about money, but it's more than that. It's about giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Say that with me. It's about giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. So we're gonna be looking at this over the the next few weeks. And today I wanna talk to you about the hidden motive of me. (laughs) The hidden motive of me. So Philippians chapter two, if you're new to the scriptures, Philippians is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church that was in a place called Philippi. And they would gather and they would actually read the entire letter. I'm not going to read the entire letter, but that's what they would do. Actually, they would gather and they'd be like, hey, we got a letter from Paul and the church would freak out and everybody would gather and they would start in chapter one, verse one and go all the way through chapter four to verse 23. There weren't, by the way, chapters and verses in the Bible back then. Those were added much later. But that's the passion that they had for the Word of God. They didn't have what we have, the printed Word of God. They didn't have that. If you were going to hear the Word of God, you you had to show up in in church. So I want us to look here at Philippians chapter 2, and let's start in in verse 3. Paul is uh, not a good preacher. I just want to say that. And he even says that himself. He's not a good preacher. And the reason he's not a good preacher is because he says this, hey, don't be selfish. Can you imagine if I showed up on a Sunday and I said, hey, don't be selfish. What's wrong with y'all? You, you ain't coming back next week. You're like, where's Joel Osteen's church? I need some Joel because this isn't doing it for me. So Paul was not the Joel Osteen of his, of his day. He said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I love this. Like, what are you really trying to say here, Paul? <laughs> These are some of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible because they're just so blatant. 
There's just, it's not sugar-coated. Hey, quit trying, to, quit trying to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You gotta have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. But thanks be to God, the scripture does not end there. This is our hope. God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Okay, to get the context of this, this you, you can't get this online. Y'all are gonna be like, I should not have come today. So I, I'd like everybody just take a knee. Just take a knee right now. Where you at? Just take a knee. Some of y'all are like, okay, that's a lot of work right there. I'll beat the legends group later on this afternoon. Like this is who Jesus is. This is how humbling it should be for us. This is the kind of awe that we should be in. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Good luck getting back in your chair. God be with you. Help somebody around you. Come on, help somebody around you. <laughs> Need some healing now. Need some healing. All right. Thanks, Stan. I know you love playing, but I don't need that in my whole sermon. I don't, you're good. It's, it's beautiful. Do you do that for Christy? Did you do that for, hey, did you do that for Christy on Valentine's Day? Just sit around and just play? Where's Christy at? Where is she at? Is she? Oh, she's in the nursery? Okay. All right. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> where are we? We're in church. That's where we are. <laughs> Threw everybody off by having you kneel there. Hey, when it, when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure, here's the question I think we need to ask. Here's the question I'd like for you to write down that we're going to wrestle with for a few minutes here. What's my motive? What's my motive? Why am I doing this? I mean, we all hate people that have a hidden motive, that have a hidden agenda. And I mean, come on, never was it more blatant or evident than Valentine's Day, right? There's a hidden agenda, there's a hidden motive. I mean, think about how much money, do you know how much money we spend on Valentine's Day? Does anybody have any idea? I want you to take a guess because you're gonna be off by a bit. Turn to somebody that you're next to and just make a guess how much Americans spend on that one day, okay? Turn to somebody and just take a guess. Are you ready? 24 
billion dollars. What? With the B, people. 24 billion. And you know, like, I mean, when you think of the advertisers and the retailers and the marketers, I mean, they're not thinking, well, this is for love, right? I mean, because if you been to the, have you been, to, have you been down the card aisle recently? You used to be, you went to the store and you got a card for your sweetheart. That's what Valentine's Day was. Now you're getting one for your mom and your dad and your son and your daughter and your brother-in-law. I'm giving no Valentine card to my, that's weird. I ain't giving one to my brother-in-law. Get one for your, for your dog. I mean, you go to dinner, you go out for dinner, you used to just go to dinner, right? Oh, not anymore. Now they have the Valentine love package. What do you get with that? You get a little heart doily and we're gonna give you a rose. How much is the rose? $48.95. What? Do you love her? And then you sit at that meal and what is she doing, guys? She's looking over and going, look, they got the doily and the rose. I don't have, where's mine? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And um, what's interesting is the, the older you get, the smarter you get, okay? The longer you have been with somebody, the smarter you get about it. Like I was at the store and I watched this young guy, God bless him, he had the big $48 teddy bear and a $19 box of chocolates, you know, and he had a little shiny ring thing he was giving. He's walking and I was like, oh God, you're so cute. Man, Laura and I, we've been together so long, I wait till the next day. When that, you know what I'm saying? That $48 teddy bear gonna be eight bucks. That chocolate gonna be 75% off. Now, I don't give it to her then. I hold it for a year. <laughs> She's digging into that chocolate. <clears throat> it's Swiss chocolate, honey. That's why it has that weird zing to it. But you get older, you just, you wait. Like I, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine this week about this. We were laughing about it. He said uh, when him and his wife first started dating, she got him a really nice jacket and a CD of his favorite band. That's back in the day, isn't it? I mean, that's a while back. And now they've been together so long. For Valentine's Day this year, she got him a Star Wars Pez dispenser. That's what he got. Oh, my goodness. Now, how long have you guys been together, Eric? How long has it been? How many Valentines has it been? Is it like 16? 16 Valentines, yeah. Okay, but I don't want to mention who it was. So... Hey, if it's any consolation, I kid you not, last night I finally got my Valentine gift from Laura. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna give this to you. And she handed me this, this, this soap carrying case. The plastic travel case that you put a, a bar of soap in. That's what I got for Valentine's Day. Oh my goodness. By, by the way, I didn't mention this and I, I'll step off for just a second. I want, I want to say this, that Laura's still not here. She's a... Uh, She's still struggling. Um, seriously, she's still struggling. She's having a difficult time. Her mom is also uh, at home. They've now labeled, and by the way, the good news is we're back at another doctor this week, and uh, she's just barely getting around the house. And they I now have a term for this for people that are dealing with this. She's over COVID, but they call them long haulers. Have you heard this? They call them long haulers. And so she's like, great, I'm a long hauler. And I'm like, woo, I just picture her behind the wheel of a semi, you know, vroom, little old Laura headed to California. COVID on the side of the truck. Woo, here we go. We're going to drop it off and leave it with them. Can I get an amen? amen? That's terrible. We love people from California. What is wrong with you people in Oklahoma? 
But, I, but Valentine, and, and when it comes to Valentine's too, there's just, there's that manipulation and hidden agenda. Okay, let me, let me, talk, let me just, let me talk to the guys. Come on, guys. I mean, you, you know, you, you get the card, you, you get the flowers, and you get the dinner, and, and come on, we know what it's, we know what it's all about, right? Right, ladies? Right, ladies? And let me just talk to the ladies. We are not a piece of meat, okay? <laughs> we have feelings. We would like conversation. We, we spell love T-I-M-E. When it comes to motive, it's not about what you're doing. It's about why you're doing it. So often, it's the, it's the hidden motive of me. And what, what, what I, I, I get caught up in me and what I want and, and what, what I need and what I desire, and, and that can consume me. And, and, and Paul says this, if you want to keep your motive pure, you got to make your motive Jesus. That's what he said in verse 5. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So when it, when it comes to generosity, how, how do we develop the attitude of Jesus? Well, Paul tells us, and he makes it very simple and clear. Look back at verse 3. He says three simple words, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Turn to somebody and tell them it's not about you. It's not about you. Some of you have been waiting to say that. Some of y'all got teenagers next to you, and you're like, I have been wanting to say that in the house of the Lord for a long time. It's not about you. Other translations say, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And so often, the hidden agenda of me is about my personal success, my ambition, what I aspire to, what I want to achieve. And you got to watch out for the hidden motive of me, especially when it comes to the talent part of time, talent, and treasure. Because that is where it can really trip you up. Like, we're right now in all of our core groups, we're going to be going through core purpose, and I could not be more excited about this. This is one of my favorite things. I think this is going to be my 12th year in a row to go through this. And every year, I learn a little bit more of how God created me and how he wired me and I just start zeroing in even more on what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm not supposed to be doing and I could not be more excited about everyone in our church collectively, all of us together going through this and helping one another. But can I caution you when you get into your groups? Because what can happen is you can go through core purpose and you're learning your gifts and you're learning your abilities and you're learning your talents and you're learning all of these things about yourself and it can become about yourself. You can lose sight of God in the process and suddenly you're learning all these things about yourself and it can become about you, my success, and next thing I know, I'm looking how I can use core purpose for my personal gain. And discovering your purpose isn't about me, but it's about glorifying God through me, through my talents, through my gifts, and God being glorified and him getting the praise and the honor for it. Amen? That's what it's about. And Paul tells us this is what Jesus did. This was the attitude of Jesus. It, it was all about the Son glorifying the Father. Look at verse 6. 
He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, say it with me, what? He gave up. He gave up his divine privilege. Like, he could have clinged to heaven. He could have been like, oh, hey, hey, oh, I'm God. I, I, I'm God, I'm not giving this up, but he what? He gave up heaven for us. And they calls us to do the same. So let me ask you this, what are you clinging to? What are you unwilling to give up? Where are you caught up in your selfish ambition where you're like, man, no, I've earned the right for this. I, I deserve this. I'm working hard for this. And so often in our quest for success, we'll just step on or step over whoever, push people out of the way, manipulate people, misuse people so that we can get what I want. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, say it with me, you what? You must give up your own way. You gotta give up your own way. In other words, Jesus said, you, you gotta give up your, your selfish ambition. So what happens is selfish ambition leads to blind ambition where you no longer see others and you only see yourself. Zacchaeus is a great example of this in scripture. In Luke 19, you can read his story. Let me just sum it up for you. The, Jew, the uh, nation of Israel had been uh, occupied and conquered by the Romans. They were oppressing the Jewish people. They were taxing them to death. And they would go, the Romans would go, and they would recruit uh, Jews to collect taxes from other Jews. And Zacchaeus got recruited into that because... <laughs> He saw how much money he could make doing it. And suddenly he had this blind ambition and he forgot about his own people and he started looking and taking money and manipulating and using his own people. In fact, actually, he was then taxing them more and so he could get a little more because he realized if I just get a little more from them and tell them they need to give this, then I'm going to go up. And he stopped that he had was stopped thinking about his own people. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus shows up in the same town as Zacchaeus. And when he sees Zacchaeus, you'd think in that moment that Jesus would chastise him, that Jesus would say, what are you doing? And that he would rebuke him in that moment because that's what I would have done. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he says, hey, Zacchaeus, could I, I'd, I'd love to come to your house. I'd love to talk with you. Love to maybe eat with you. And he comes into his home, and when he comes into the home, Zacchaeus suddenly, this is a, a, this is a Jesus healing the blind story without him healing the blind physically because Zacchaeus was blind mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And Jesus got close to him, and Jesus healed him, and suddenly Zacchaeus it was pulled back, and he suddenly realized, oh my goodness, what am I doing. I'm so caught up in selfish ambition. It's all about me. It's the hidden agenda and hidden motive of me. And he said, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. If I've cheated anybody, I'll give them back four times what I've taken from them. What's your motive? I'm going to turn to somebody and ask them that. What's your 
motive. What's your motive? What's your motive? Is it, is it the hidden motive of me? Or is your motive Jesus? So he says, don't be selfish. And in verse three, he says this. Paul says, don't, don't try to impress others. Turn to somebody and tell them, stop trying to impress me. Stop, stop, just stop. Just stop trying to impress me. Stop trying to impress me. The hidden motives, the, the hidden motive of me is, is always trying to impress others, isn't it? I am, that's what it's all about. And, and this is especially true when it comes to, to our, our time. We, we spend so much time trying to impress others instead of impacting others. And never is this more evident than in social media. Come on, somebody, right? You see it all the time. It might as well be called social me because that's what it is. It's, it's, it's all about me. I mean, I'm posting for me. I, I'm, it's, it's, I, I, I'm, it's the hidden motive of like, I just want to impress somebody. I'm trying to get some likes. I, I want somebody to, to see me. And, I, and it's crazy the amount of time that we spend posting. I, it, it is so blatant at coffee shops. You ever been to a coffee shop and watch people? I saw this lady, oh my goodness, she, was, she had her latte and it had the little leaf in it and, and she had a journal and she had her phone out and she was turning her latte and looking and she's positioning it and she's looking and she's moving her journal. She's doing this for like 15 minutes and then, and then she's trying to look, look the part, you know, and she's, she's got her pen in her hand and she's like, No, and then moves it again, repositions the journal. Take it from. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? We did. We've all done it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, "I've done it. You've done it. I've done it, and you've done it." I, I have a love hate with relationship with social media because so many times it becomes social me. And so one of the, one of the questions I, I ask myself, and I ask myself this every single time before I post, and this has helped me a lot, is what's my motive? What's my motive? Am I, am I doing this to impress others or am I doing this to, to impact others? Why, why am I doing this. Paul tells us Jesus was never out to make a name for himself. That's crazy. Wait, what? But you, you left heaven, you came to earth, and he wasn't around, running around trying to impress people and make a big name for himself. It, look what he says in, in verse 7. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Like, think about this. If you know anything about the Gospels, you know anything about the stories of Jesus, and maybe you're new to church, what's interesting is he healed people. We all know that. He healed lots of people. We have the account of that. He never, he never wrote anything down. He never wrote down any one of his, he, you know, he never like said, hey, Bartimaeus, come over here, man. Let's get in this picture with me. Hashtag Jericho, hashtag blind can see. I mean, he, he didn't. He didn't pop it up on his Insta story. You know, coming to Jericho tomorrow, come see me. 
going to be at Peter's house, be there healing. I mean, you didn't do any. In fact, what's crazy is when Jesus would heal people, he would say, hey, don't post anything about that. He did every time, like every time. You read the stories, it's crazy. Don't tell anybody what I did because his time had not yet come. And he knew they're gonna elevate me to a place that I'm not supposed to be. They want me to be an earthly king, but that's not why I, I, I am here. Oh, that'll preach right there. You are not here to be an earthly king or queen. Oh, come on, somebody. That is, that's not Jesus' agenda, and it should not be our agenda. Because he said, I'm about another kingdom. We should be about another kingdom and building another kingdom. That's what Paul is telling us. That he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to give our, our, our time to others. And, and what I would say, this, say it this way, we are called to serve in the shadows. What can happen so often in the church, and it, and it happens subtly, is... Um, Churches, all churches do incredible work serving in communities. Uh, I mean, we've done a ton, a ton of stuff, you know, whether that's helping the homeless or uh, doing, uh, you know, food banks and uh, on and on and on and on, going and fixing up homes and, and working in neighborhoods and on and on, things, different projects and things in the community, and we are, we are no different than that. And what t churches typically do is they will make a highlight video of that. We've done that exact same thing, and we make a highlight video of it, and you watch it, and is it not amazing to see the, the service that is happening? It's incredible to see what's happening, but don't be fooled. Because what happens is, when you look at those things, honestly, what's really happening is 10 people are serving, while a hundred people are applauding in the shadows. That's the truth, not just at core. That's, that's the truth that every church, we're like, woo, oh man, look what our church is doing. This is the, can you believe this is fantastic what our church, our church, wait, what? No, that's what they did. That's what those 10 people did. And so often we put 10 people in the spotlight and a hundred people will applaud in the shadows, but not at core church. This, that doesn't happen here intentionally, strategically, and on purpose. What we would rather have here is 100 people serving in the shadows and only 10 people know about it. Because the impact is so much greater and so much higher. And you've seen the stories, you've heard the stories, you've heard people that we've videoed and you're like, they're doing what? Where are they? What's happening with that? And all over the city, we're spread out. Nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody knows the time that you're investing. Nobody knows what's happening. And that's okay. You wanna kill me, the hidden motive of me? Go serve in the shadows. Go serve where nobody can see what you're doing and do it for no other reason but to help somebody, to impact somebody, and to only impress your heavenly father. That will help you to know about the hidden motive of me. So what's your motive? So he says, don't, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. And then he says this in verse four. Don't, don't look out for only for your own interests. Don't look out only for your own interests. Come on, turn to somebody, just tell them, you're not that interesting. You're not that, no, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> Some of you did it. You're like, that's terrible. That is terrible. 
Actually, in one of Paul's letters, he actually said that. He actually said that. You could look, it's in, in scripture where he said, hey, don't be so impressed with yourself because you're not that impressive. How did Paul get all these letters into this Bible with everything that he has said? But that's the hidden motive of me. It's, it's always thinking of me. <laughs> I think of me first. And I think this is especially true when it comes to our treasure, when it, when it comes to financial generosity. Because so often I'm like, well, well if, I, if I give it, there, then, then there won't be enough for me. There won't be enough, first of all, for my needs. What, 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 I got bills, I got to pay. That's, that's a song. Uh, some of you don't remember that. I got bills, I got to pay. And then, and then, and then not only that, but I've got, I just got some, I got things I want. I got things I, I'm, I'm desiring. And if I give that, then my, my, my kids won't get this. Uh, I won't get this. We won't be able to live here. We won't be able to drive this. And so we, 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 we hold on to it. And the question I have is, do you have a scarcity mindset or do you have an abundance mindset? Because the scarcity mindset has its eyes focused on the pocketbook. That's a scarcity mindset. <laughs> I'm looking at the register and it's telling me how much I have. I did this just yesterday. I paid all the bills and I was like, oh, okay, that's a whole lot less than I thought. Uh, but Aunt Mary walked by, she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, God be with you while you do that. But I have this, this practice that I do whenever I pay my bills. I, I take out my Bible and I set it down and I put all the bills on top of it. And I sit there with that because why? Because I wanna have an abundance mindset. Because you know what I did yesterday too? When I was paying all my bills and I saw where the money was, I tithed. I gave 10%. And I had bills that, <laughs> I got a bill. But got, I got a bill. No, no. No, 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 no. I gotta give God what he deserves. Not just that, but I took my mind and my eyes off of my bill and I turned them to heaven and I went, <laughs> hello, this is who's got my back. When you turn your eyes to heaven, you have an abundance mindset. It's real simple. It's real simple to figure this out. Do I have a scarcity mindset or do I have an abundance mindset? Just look at your giving. How much are you giving? I don't know what you're giving, but how much are you giving? It'll tell you right away. Oh, wow, I focus on my pocketbook. I have a scarcity mindset because that's all I do. I'm not looking to my heavenly father who says he will provide everything. God sees your giving. Oh, come on, turn to somebody and tell him, God sees you. God sees you. I know some of you are like, oh, no. I, can I tell you, I think so. I see some of you and you're like, God sees me. He sees me when I'm given. He's a loving father. Why would he withhold? Matthew 6, why would he? He's not going to withhold. But yet we have this scarcity mindset. And, 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 and I think, ah. But, but I know that, that when I look to him, Oh, I know this. Here's the because you know that God sees you. Here, let me sh just kind of tell you how this kind of 
how it operates a little bit in the heavenly realm. You're like, if you're saying, I'll give it when I get it, that is not how it works. That is not how it works with God. That's man's economy. That's the world, and, the, and this world works that way. You give it to me, and then I can give it. But that's not how it works in God's kingdom. No, God says you give it, and then I'll give it. In other words, let me tell you why that principle is so strong, and you need to know this. Why would God give you anything that you're just going to hold on to for yourself? So you can build the kingdom of you. He's not gonna give it to you. He's not gonna do that. He says, I'm looking for generous people. I'm looking for, I'm searching the earth for people that wanna bless others, that aren't afraid, that aren't intimidated, that have faith, that look to heaven and say, oh, there, there's my kid being crazy, being stupid. I, that's stupid giving right there. But I honor stupid giving because the world looks at it as stupid giving, but God doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it as beautiful giving. It's a beautiful offering. He says, oh, you're going to help some people? I'm going to keep funneling generosity to you. But the moment you hang on to it, he shuts it off. That, that's how it works in God's economy. He sees our giving. And I've talked about this at nausea recently. I've been talking about last year, my, my word for the year was extravagant generosity. And uh, Laura and I, 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 we practice tithing. And if you don't know what tithing is, it's giving 10%. That's a principle and a practice that we see in scripture. Do you have to do that to get your ticket to heaven? No, that's ridiculous. Do you have to get that to get God to love you? No, he loves you unconditionally. But it's a practice and principle, and so we've always practiced that, and, and we give above that, and we help different organizations and people, and, and so we just give. And then God said, but I, you're, you're generous, Brad. You're very generous, but I want you to be extravagant with your generosity. And he said, here's what I want you to do. If you have it in your wallet, I want you to give it. When I tell you to give it, if you have it in your wallet, I want you to give it. And I, so I did that all the way through 2021, and um, I want to tell you that I would love to tell you it was easy, but it, but it, but it wasn't. I mean, there were times that I, I walked away because what he was asking me to give was, was too much. And, and so I, I wrote down, I kept a journal, a generosity journal, all of 2021. And, and I wrote down every account, every single account, whether sometimes it was I was giving a dollar and sometimes it was a whole lot of zeros other than that behind it. But just whatever it was, God said to give it. And so I, I wrote it down, I wrote down the account of what happened. And then I wrote on the other page, what, what God brought back to me. And uh, so a few weeks ago, I, I sat down and I added up for 2021. And I looked at how much I had given. This is above, this is not, I'm, I take my tithe and my regular giving, I'm setting that aside. I'm just talking about when he asked me to be extravagant, just that part of it. And I, when I looked at it, I went, oh my goodness, that, whoa. I did not know it was that much. I hope Laura never sees this journal. <laughs> I mean, it was way more than I ever thought. And I'm gonna be honest, I was really, really nervous adding up the receiving part. Here, everything I just told you, everything I just said, abundant and scarcity, abundant, all of that. Just like you, I'm human and I struggle. And I thought, man, I don't think that's just gonna add up and I won't ever be able to share this with anybody. 
And then I added it up. <laughs> I was just like, what's wrong with me? God gave back three times what I had given. Three, three times what I had given. But I don't want you to miss the point of this. Part of this is look at the faithfulness of God. He's looking for people to be generous. And when I look back on 2021, I like the giving page better than the receiving page. Jesus said that. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and I look back and I see all the times that people and, and things that happened that were unexpected and I got all these blessings that God gave back to me. But, but, but uh, I looked at the stories and I look back and I remembered the, the story of the cashier and when I walked out of the store and God said, uh, I was at the dollar store and it, the charge was like six bucks and I only had a hundred dollar bill. It's all I had. And I said, you take change for your hundred? And she's like, yeah. So she gave me the change and I walked out and God said, you need to give her the change. And I, I was like, oh, I ain't that's, that's $94, God. And I said, that's $94, God. And some of you remember me telling that story. I drove away. And the next day I was out prayer walking and God said, you didn't do what I told you to do. So that afternoon I drove back and she was working and I said, I didn't do what God told me to do, and this is for you. I remember another time I was out shoveling. Remember the, the snow last year, early 2021, and we were all just digging out from that blizzard. And, and uh, my neighbor was a young man living with his, his folks in his early 20s, just tr trying to make his way. But because of COVID and the ice storm, he wasn't working. And he said, oh, man, I'm just not making it. We we're out shoveling together. And God said, help him. And, and that's my story. I get that story. That's my story. I, I remember being, I looked at another story this week and one of them was I was at the shoe store and I would come around the corner and boom, ran into these two young men. They were probably nine years old and they were, uh, they were brothers and they were uh, adopted. And they, I said, what are you guys doing? I had, I had coached them in basketball. I said, what are you guys doing, man? I said, hey, we're here buying shoes. And God said, give them the money you have in your wallet. And I opened up my wallet and I had two tens and I said, this is for you and this is for you. And I just want to invest in you guys getting some shoes. That's my story. It's not your story. I, I get the joy, and I, what I want is for you to have that kind of joy. And, I, and I've really uh, hesitated to, to share this next part because um, God's been really speaking to me about how I talk about generosity from this stage and how I talk about giving from this stage. And God has really been really pressing on me Brad, you're holding back. And I ran this by my team this week. I talked to them. I've talked to Laura. And I, I, I've, I've not been, I've not challenged you as your pastor. And for that, I really, honestly, I, I, I need your forgiveness. <sighs> because I, I, I'm absolutely convinced that you need to be generous. I'm absolutely convinced it's one of the greatest things you can do with your life. But I've kind of tried to let you off the hook a little bit by saying, you know, just give what you can and give when you can. I've said, hey, pick a percentage and, and work your, your way up. And, and what God has really spoken to me about is you, you, you said those things, Brad, most of the time with a hidden agenda. 
and it's the hidden agenda of me. And let me just explain that for just, this may not make any sense, but I'll just say it. And maybe this is just for me today. Just to, sometimes repentance is a good thing to do publicly, but not in front of hundreds of people and who knows how many may be watching online. I wouldn't recommend doing it that way, but I will. But what God has really spoken to me about is that um, I'm afraid. One is I'm afraid of challenging you in your giving because I, I don't want to put a burden on you. You got enough problems. <laughs> you got enough struggles. You don't need a preacher getting up here and making you feel guilty or condemned in your financial generosity. You just don't need that. So I've held back, and I haven't said anything. I've also not said anything, not just because of that, but also because uh, I didn't want to be misunderstood. Because I know right even now that people are like, uh, I just would be misunderstood and and, and people would think I have some kind of other ulterior motive and there's other reason that he's doing that. He's always asking, but they're all at church, they're always asking for money or whatever that is. And I'm not, I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I've never wanted to be that kind of pastor. And so I've always shied away from it because of that. But the other real thing at many times is I'm, I'm afraid if I say what I really feel and what I really believe deep in my soul, you're going to get mad. <laughs> You're going to get angry, and you're just going to leave. Now, that would be no big deal if only 3% of us were not tithing. But I want you to understand the reality. What I'm talking about right now is, is the, the practice and the principle of giving 10%. I, I'm not encouraging you to do it. I'm challenging you to do it. Because I know what God has done for me. And what God has said to me is, why would you withhold that from people? Why would you cheat them? And I said, because God, if I talk about it, they're, they're going to misunderstand. And God has really been speaking to me a lot lately about whatever I put in you, you need to give to your people. Because I look back on all my years of generosity, and I started tithing when I was like six years old. I tried to hide it. I tried to keep it. But the Sunday school teacher would be like, your mom said you had a dime, Brad. Where's the dime? <laughs> Dang it. I've been tithing that long, that long. It's a long time. Never missed. Like never. And it's not been without sacrifice. Um... Never had a new car. Never driven a car that's even in the same decade. <laughs> I don't even know if I have time for this. I got to tell this 10-second story. It's so funny. We had a, kids, we had a, a car we affectionately called the Duck. And the reason we called it Duck is because it had a vinyl top on it somebody at the church had sold us for $2,000 and the vinyl top started coming loose. And so we put duct tape on it to, <laughs> to keep it down. Because when you get on the interstate, it would go poof and it would inflate. And it would also go <laughs> Kind of made a duck sound when you're driving. One time I was on I-44, I kid you not, I started hearing that <laughs> And I was like, oh man, I gotta pull over, I gotta pull over. Couldn't pull over in time. The vinyl top just ripped off and it was flapping like Superman's cape. 
like this. And this trucker behind me was like, whoa! I got out of the car, had a, I had a, a box knife on me, and I cut that thing off, stuck it in the trunk, and drove on my way. And I kept giving. My kids will tell you that we, we hardly ever went out to eat. Laura and I still hardly ever go out to eat. And when we do, you know what they get? Water. I taught them how to make free lemonade. Parents, this is a freebie for you, okay? Uh, this is free. When you go to lunch, teach your kids. Don't let them get that $5 soda. What's that all about? Man, no, we're getting water. We want some lemons and some sweetener. And you put the lemons in there, you squeeze them, you put a sweetener, you stir it up, you got free lemonade. And we did that. We've lived not in the biggest houses. Uh, every, every TV that I have has been given to me, except for the last one. Every one of them have been given to me. My kids laugh because they're like, Dad, we'd have had a tube TV until, I mean, Jesus came if they hadn't just given us one of those. But it's never been about possessions for me. Um, it's, it's just always been about the love for my Savior. And when I look back, I would not take back a single dime to have something else. If I'd had that money, because it's crazy when you start adding up, those of you who give 10%, when you start adding that up, how much that is and what you could do with that. And I realize, I look back and I go, I could have driven that. I could have lived there. My kids could have had this. We could have gone there. We could have had this. All, all of these things. And I look and I go, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I don't care about a car. I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't care about a TV. I don't care about what neighborhood. I don't care about the house. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to impress others. And I don't want to be here on this earth for my own interests. So my challenge to you is give. Have an abundance mindset. Watch what God does. Watch what he does. Because if you give it, I promise you this, he is gonna open up the floodgates of heaven for you. He will open up heaven for you. you the, the old adage, you can't outgive God. That's what preachers always say. You can't outgive God. The glory to Jesus. <laughs> Some of you grew up in that church. But it's true. You can't outgive God. The reason we give is out of our love for God and obedience to him. That's what Jesus did. That was the attitude of Jesus. It says in verse 8, he humbled himself what? In what? Say it with me. Obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Think about this. Our Savior could have lived in a palace. But what did he say? Son of man doesn't even have a home. I don't even have a place to, to lay my head. He, he could have came and taken a king's throne, but he didn't say that. Jesus said, I don't come for a throne. I came to serve. I came to serve others. He could have had any riches, anything. He could have gone town to town in, the, in, in a Lexus chariot. I mean, he could have had it all with the bow on it at Christmas time. But he, what did he do? When it came time to paying the taxes, he didn't have money to pay his taxes. He said, Peter, go fishing. And when you fish, you're gonna pull out the fish and there'll be a pearl in there, that'll pay the taxes. That was the, the son of man. He didn't come to serve his own interests. He came to give, to sacrifice his life. It's not 
It's not so much about giving our time, talent, and treasure, but it, it, it's about the result of giving our time, talent, and treasure. Because when you give your time to somebody, they experience the love and the grace of Jesus. When you, when you give your, your, your talent away, you bring joy to this world. You bring, you bring opportunity to this world. You bring second chances to people. You bring help to people. When you give your treasure, you're offering hope and healing and peace and purpose to people in the name of Jesus. So what's your motive? Why are you doing it? Is it the hidden motive of me? My prayer is that you're going to make your motive Jesus.